This episode is sponsored by Auxilio Partners, managing the business of your church so you can focus on the ministry. Find out how at auxilio.partners slash five points. You are listening to the Five Points Church Planning Podcast, where two church planters try to make one good point. Today, we're looking at discipleship in the life of a church plant. How do planters balance intentionally investing in people's lives amongst everything else going on in a plant? So here we go. John, I know this is a very usual happening in your neck of the woods, but last week we had 10 inches of snow in the Memphis area, and that is that is historic for us in some sense. It's apocalyptic. The <laughs> yeah, it is. It was the snow apocalypse and it shut our city down for almost a week, which is crazy to think about. But I wanted you to know that I was able to do something for the first time ever in my life uh, living in the South. And that was I helped someone push their car out of the snow and they were stuck and it was exhilarating. Oh, man. Well, I think the correct response to that for me would be uh, bless your heart. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah yeah and no, the ironic and john the ironic thing um the the ironic thing in the situation was the guy refused help for a long time and i could tell he was embarrassed <laughs> and so finally we got a show snuffle and some cardboard and we got him out and then he admitted he was from wisconsin and oh and, and then i felt then i was wondered if i should have helped him in the first place because mm. he should know better but it i enjoyed it it was something different yeah, you don't need to have a gym membership in the winter if you're helping your neighbors push out cars and shovel snow. Um, it's a can be a mighty task. Yeah, shoveling snow is legit. Good gracious. <laughs> All right. Well, Hunter, what are we doing today? Uh, we're talking about doing a rewind. That's what right. does that mean? Well, for those that remember VHS tapes or cassette tapes, mm. we're going to hit that, yeah. that famous rewind button and we're going to talk about the time period between when you launch and you particularize. We have in past episodes discussed leading up until the launch. We've discussed the launch. We've even discussed particularization, but there's a important time period between the two that is worth talking about on this episode in terms of how do you disciple your people? How do you lead them? How do you how do you help them in terms of the means of grace as a, as a community of believers? Yeah. So, you know, discipleship never doesn't start after you launch and doesn't end after you particularize, but there's right. certainly, uh, uh, you know, after you launch uh, an opportunity to kind of set the tone of what it looks like in your church to be really involved in kind of all aspects of ministry. Uh, I, I know for us, when we launched worship, you know, we were relatively small, which I think most church plants are when they launch. Um, I didn't want our people to, you know, everybody be volunteering on Sunday and showing up early and staying late. And then also, you know, hosting all this kind of midweek stuff. So we actually shut down all of our kind of Bible studies we had going on. We let them phase out before we launched uh, and just put a pause on for a few months to make sure we got the rhythm going with worship. And, um, and, and then kind of came back to say, okay, now we, kind of figured out a good rhythm. Uh, where's, 
where's an opportunity to start engaging with one another uh, outside of a Sunday morning service? Yeah, John. So you have to set boundaries. It's important in the life of a church plant because unlike an established church, your people are helping with nursery. They're helping with children's mm-hmm. church. They're helping with setup. They're helping with takedown. They're helping with the greeting team. It's not that people in established churches don't do those things, but in a church plant, it's all hands on deck. You have a far bigger percentage of people that are lending their hand to make sure that the church is able to function and operate um, week in, week out. And so you want to protect them. You want to set boundaries. And I, I get completely what you're saying in terms of we scaled things back in terms of worship. We did the same thing in my first church plant. But at the same time, you will find that they want more than just the worship service. Oh, yeah. Yep. And that they need more than just the worship service. I don't mean that in a theological sense. The worship service is um, where we draw close to the presence of Christ and we hear him speak through his word and the sacraments and prayer. That's not what I mean. It's just in terms of discipleship and sanctification, um, there needs to be other opportunities for them to grow in grace. And so I hear you. And, and that's a very that's a very careful balance. What do you do and how often do you do it? And John, I would, I don't know if you've read this book, but simple church was a very eye opening mm. work for me. It's not about church planting, but it's, if you haven't read the simple church, the focus of that work is know who you are, do the essentials well and do what you do well. Yeah. And that is, I think a very, important thing to remember and consider when you are planting a church. No, yeah, that's good. And and to be really honest, I think the one thing I realized time and time again is in a new church. Now you might be small and typically think of a small church having this close community, but being a new church, you don't have those years of that a small church typically has of building this community. And so um, having even even if you pull back on some of the formal discipleship type things to have, uh, you know, more informal gatherings and dinners and, you know, whatever kind of picnic type stuff you can do, those things really do help with uh, building a community, building a church together. Right. Um, and it's not that that's separate from discipleship. You know, I was listening the other day to uh, a different podcast <clears throat> and it was about worship and, it, it reminded me of something that I, I know theologically, and that is basically that, like, what is the goal of discipleship? What's the goal? What's, what's the goal of the Christian life? It's to bring Christ worship, right? Yeah. And uh, and so it made me kind of reevaluate going back to think, yeah, what is what does it mean to make disciples? It means to make worshipers, and uh, you want people that are going to worship in spirit and truth. And so you know, I kind of looked back at what we had done, especially leading up to launch, but even afterwards to think, you know, you're trying to train people up to understand more fully who God is, what it means to worship him. And so even, even just cutting back to worship only is discipleship in itself on some level, right? Like Mm -hmm. this is where we're actually putting it into practice. Mm -hmm. This is, even if we launch back out, you know, Wednesday night Bible study, that's all preparation for Sunday. And, and uh, having that order, I just, it was a really helpful, refreshing reminder that uh, the thing it serves is 
not us getting smarter or us getting more holy, uh, but ultimately all those things are only to the ultimate end of worshiping God. Yeah, that's well said. I, personally, I didn't know there were any other podcasts besides ours, so I'm good to hear. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Um, but I would say, you know, fellowship, don't dismiss the significance and importance of fellowship in that phase between launching and particularization. And John, I think you nailed it. We assume that as pastors, because these people are here, often we assume that they know each other, but Mm -hmm. they don't. In many cases, they don't. And so fellowship, I believe, is is a big, important part of the life of a church because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. But I think it's significantly important in church planning in terms of discipleship because they have to know you, you have to know them, they have to know each other. We have to begin to see each other as a family, um, a family that whose older brother is Jesus. And, and so we don't need to rush into the programs. We need to think through very carefully how are we going to help these individuals get to know each other? How are we going to help these families to get to know each other and their children? And, and how do we do this to the benefit, exactly what you said, to the benefit of Christ and his glorification? And so I would encourage church planners in this phase between particularization, excuse me, between launch and particularization to, to think about these things, but to be very careful and to be cautious to not do too much, but to do what you do well. Yeah. Uh, you know, it always strikes me, we talk about uh, ordinary means of grace, and it comes from Acts 2.42, um, but we, we, we kind of leave out the fourth one. Um, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to the prayers. Yeah, Word, sacrament, prayers is usually what we say, uh, but we, we, we kind of lop off fellowship, uh, right. maybe because we assume it. Um, so as we uh, have, we've had so many little iterations of small groups, you know, COVID shut us down or whatever, all these different things we've tried. And uh, I don't have a well-formulated plan. I don't have uh, super, you know, well-thought-out structures. Some people do. Some people have a really, you know, linear mind, and they can really plot that stuff out and train leaders well. But for me, that verse, uh, of course, it informs our worship, but also I think all interactions with So when I thought of our small group ministry, I said it needs to involve some engagement with the word, uh, prayer, and and community building. I mean, that's f- fellowship, right? And so wow. that can look different. It could be a a, a book, a, a theological book, or, you know, practical ministry type book. It could be a book on evangelism. Uh, it can be a Bible study, uh, certainly. Uh, and perhaps maybe that's preferable. But ultimately, we wanted to create a space where, you know, it's, it's focused not just on that, but it actually right. has a set, yeah. a set aside amount of time to pray. And it has a very intentional set aside time to get to know one another, to right. fellowship, to, to discuss what you learned, uh, to break bread, um, you know, in the non-sacramental way, sure, uh, yeah. you know, in people's homes, you know? And so that, that is the loose outline we always had in mind as, as we've put out groups, you know, and, and we have people that have rised up to be leaders. And, uh, and that's kind of what I said, like, let's find a good resource. I, I can help you do that. And, um, and ultimately beyond that, if it's, 
you getting to know one another and one anothering, you know, right, yeah. <laughs> the, the Bible mm-hmm. word, uh, then that's great. Uh, that's the, right. that's a huge win and, right. uh, because discipleship doesn't always happen from, yeah. uh, top down. It's, yeah, it's very much right. side by side. That's right. Well, and it allows you as a church planner to say, because when you reach launch, the church plant has been guided by the church planter and yeah. the church planter is involved in everything, whether you like it or not, and whether that's good. And then you move into this phase where really the people in the core group, the people in the church need to begin to take ownership and leadership, and they need to begin to do ministry apart from you. I actually told my group not too long ago that we're, we had our first worship service two weeks ago on Sunday mornings. And after Easter, we're going to start community groups. And I, I told them, this is an opportunity for you to do ministry and to lead apart from me. And that can only help discipleship Hmm. because the pastor can't do everything. And so when you free up people to do ministry, I've often found in the past that it really strengthens their faith and it helps them in their walk with the Lord because they're no longer sitting on the back row, but they're actively having to lead out their faith and help the church. And a lot of people thrive in terms of their spirituality where in the past they have not. Yeah. That, I mean, right. Ultimately our goal as pastors, right. Uh, go back to the book of Ephesians chapter four. Uh, by the way, we did our first Bible study on Ephesians. It's I always got oh, Ephesians on the brain, uh, <laughs> but you know, God gave evangelists, shepherds, you know, all these teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so that's right. That's our goal all the time is not that we're yeah. going to be the ones doing all the ministry. Uh, we don't right. hire professional ministers to go do ministry. We, um, we are sent by God to equip people to minister to one another, to minister to their neighbors. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, when you, yeah. when you have to pull yourself out, it creates a vacuum that hopefully sure. you've, you've actually equipped and trained and helped your people to get to. Yeah. So John, when you're, a lot of people, when they're thinking about planning a church or they move to the field to plan a church, develop a prospectus or a, strat- a ministry strategy, and they'll say, this is what we're going to do when we enter this phase between launch and particularization. And one of the things I've noticed in talking to other church planners and in my past experience is um, th- those plans are important. Don't, don't get me wrong, but pay attention to your people and pay attention to what they're like in order to figure out what you think is best for them in that time period. It may not be a women's Bible study and a men's Bible study and Sunday school. It may be community groups or vice versa. It may not be community groups. It may be Sunday school. Um, It may be even more simple than that. A women's Bible study and men's Bible study. You have to carefully massage what is going to happen and in light of who your people are and their needs. It was a, it's been pretty apparent to me that with this second plant, that community groups is going to be the right direction just from feedback and from knowing some of the people. But in the first church I planted, that was not the direction we went. The community groups came at a later point. Hmm. Um, So, you know, and I'm, Again, I may have it wrong. We're early on in this process, but um, 
you know, be willing to negotiate what you have thought needs to be done um, in the midst of the moment based on the needs of your people and, and do, and do what is right. And again, don't try to do everything in order to try to meet every spiritual need of everyone in your core group. Yeah. And some of that is restrained by your circumstance. Um, sure. Like right now we can't really do Sunday school. We meet at a weird time and uh, we're kind of in and out. And so it, we, we had Sunday school before and, and I think that was, that was a good first step for us. After we launched, we launched uh, Sunday school before worship for, you know, all ages up through adult. And, and it was, it was great. Uh, yeah, and now we're point. in a different space and it, and it doesn't work. Um, and so even that having the ability to flex to say, Oh, here's something that was going well. Well, now we got kicked out of our place yeah. or for whatever reason, we can't do yeah. it anymore. Right. What's it look like to, yeah. to, yeah. to pivot. Yeah. So I, I'd be curious to hear, you know, just your thoughts. You talked about men's and women's groups versus community groups. Um, you know, different churches have different approaches to those kind of things, having gendered groups, right? Like the men right. together and the women together. Sure. Uh, what goes into the thought process for you of, of the advantages or disadvantages of, of those types of formats? Yeah. So the, the disadvantages are easy to see on the surface, it frustrates the ability of families to get to know each other. If you specifically mm. went the route of we're going to have worship and then we're going to have women's and men's and that's all it, yep. a husband and a wife are who they are in terms of their marriage. And so it, it, it helps in my opinion well, I was talking about the disadvantages. I'm sorry. The, the disadvantage of it is you divide your core group in half and they're not able to get to know each other fully and they're not able to engage with one another. The, the strength of it is it allows the women to grow in a context where they feel comfortable with each other and talking to each other. Uh, for the men, it helps them to specifically talk about issues that um, they face as a husband and a father and as a parent and as a spouse. And so, again, they have strengths and weaknesses. It, it's difficult because you'll have in your core group, the, the difficulty of all this is in your core group, you will have people who want community groups and you'll have people that want women's study, Bible studies, and you'll have people that want men's Bible. They want everything. Yeah. And so you've got to figure out, what is best for this group at this moment and to be, and to be flexible. And so for us, we, we found that a women's Bible study was important because for, for many different reasons, the men in our core group, they got to know each other really well. Hmm. And, you know, you read all of these books about men, not in church and so forth and so on. We have not had that issue. Uh, we have men that are coming. We have single men that are coming we're getting to know each other, but we took a step back and realized the women don't know each other like the men do. Hmm. And so we launched a women's Bible study and it's been, I think, very effective in terms of allowing the women to continue to get to know each other. Um, so the, it has its strengths. It has its weaknesses. I think it also has its, its time um, going forward for us. 
we're going to continue having the women's Bible study. We're going to continue to have men's functions, but we're going to balance it with community groups so that it's not overwhelming in terms of what we do as a church. Yeah, no, that's good. I, um, once again, going back to some of the limitations, um, you know, if you, if you have young kids and you have a lot of young kids in your plant, uh, having a community group, if it has any like I, <laughs> ideal of quiet prayer time or Bible study, or whatever, yeah. it might yeah. not be realistic unless you, you know, unless you're able to hire by babysitters and do all that. Like right. there's a lot of logistical things. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, so like I have a, a men's study and it meets super early in the morning uh, so that men aren't missing out on the time when they should be home with their kids. And right. it's also so early that it, there's no way the whole family's yeah. coming and it just right. works out. Yeah. Um, but no, I agree. There's a sense in which you have a bonding that takes place with men to men and women to women that is good and probably deeper than if they were together on some level. But at the mm-hmm. same time, if you're not marrying that to the broader family to family, um, you know, and just cross pollinating in the church, you're going to be missing out on a significant amount of community. Yeah. I, I think the, again, I just stress that, you know, see what works, see what doesn't be willing to kill things off. Um, be willing to start things new. Um, that's significant. And that will set a good precedent with the church going forward is that if we feel like a ministry is not going well, it's okay to, to end it. Uh, yeah. And if we think that something is going well, it's okay to, to put more resources into it. And that was, you know, my experience in the past. Um, you know, I visited a church one time, John, an established church, an older church, and I looked at the bulletin and they had a function every single day of the week. Yeah. Including Saturday. And I asked the pastor, a friend of mine, you know, which ones were effective. And he said that really only other than worship, there were only two. And, you know, they, the church was, was so set in its ways. It was, it would have caused an uproar to try to bring some of those ministries to an end, but you can't be great at everything. So yeah. even in the early stages of a church plant, if you're thinking about a women's Bible study and men's Bible study or community groups or Sunday school, whatever life groups, figure out what works well, be willing to um, schedule the life of the church intentionally and really help your people grow in grace by not overburdening them with the life of the really the life of the church. So one thing that's probably fallen out of favor historically uh, that I just keep coming back to time and time again, you know, in our, our small groups, I often think about things we want to go through, you know, evangelism uh, in particular, I've been doing resources on prayer, uh, a church prayer meeting. Is that something yeah. that, uh, that you've been able to do in a church that you've seen done well, uh, right? If discipleship is, helping people towards worship. I can't think of something that uh, builds us up more than communion with God through prayer. Sure. It, we're trying, John. Um, okay. So our service is at nine 30 on Sunday mornings. And yep. so at eight 45, every Lord's day, we're going to have a time of prayer. What okay. better, what better way to start out the day? Yep. And 
we are opening it up to anybody in the church. This is not just the elders meeting with the pastor yep. to pray. And I think we'll see how it goes. I think the key is really, I think the key is that the pastor makes a big deal about it, that the church planner makes a big deal about it. You know, come meet with me, join with the elders, join with the deacons. Although at this point in the church plant, you may not have elder, your own elders sure. and deacons. You know, that this is not just for the leadership of the church. Come and pray. And to be honest about, you know, look, I know you can't come every week. I know that you can't make it every Sunday. I know that those of you that have children, it's difficult. But every other week or maybe every third Sunday or maybe once a month, but we want you to come and pray for the worship service and pray for the church and pray for this church plant. And so we're trying it. I hope that it works. The, John, I would say that the church that I grew up in, in, in Alabama has, I'm not sure what they're doing now, but at one time they did this really well on Wednesday nights. Yeah. Now, again, that's a church that has its own buildings. I know that Wednesday night is more common thing in the Southern culture, but they did this really well with the mill and yeah. they, you know, it, it's reformed Presbyterians. It seems like sometimes, and I'm saying this half joking, that we always feel like everyone needs a 30 minute lesson on something all the time. <laughs> and so and a they book. really, yeah, or a book. So <laughs> study a book. And so they did a really good job of a short devotional type um, message, a homily, if you will. And then they would really turn to a very pointed time of prayer as a church. And I just remember that being very special and very significant. And you're right, it's you don't see it a lot in the life of the church. Yeah. I, I had, uh, you know, I, I tend to follow other church planting things and, you know, the interwebs. And um, I remember listening to this one model where basically it said, like, if you want to plant a church in your area or, you know, you have this group of people before they even call a pastor, the first thing they should do is set a regular time to get together and pray. Um, and to my shame, I never really thought of that, even coming in as the guy to think mm -hmm. that's really the first thing we should be about. Mm -hmm. um, and even to think of, uh, you know, even a, a small group, community group, I almost wonder if there wouldn't be some benefit in calling those, you know, prayer groups, because you know, right. it's going to interact with food, right? That all yeah. the things that are comfortable for us, uh, right. that we're good at, we're good at chit chat and, you know, bring in casseroles or, you know, sure. hot dishes, what we call it up here, but, yeah. uh, you know, those kind of things, but, uh, really having a, yeah, I think if I could go back and redo one thing in my discipleship, it would be to really have a foundational layer of saying, this is not only is this, uh, you know, a good thing for us to do, but it's essential. Yeah. And it's maybe something yeah. that's hard for us because we're yeah. all uncomfortable. Uh, I was talking to a, a guy yesterday. I said, if you asked a thousand Christians, how's their prayer life? How many are going to say right. bad? Yeah. Uh, probably a thousand. Right. Uh, and so <laughs> that's a glaringly sure. obvious need. So even thinking about discipleship and need, like where do people need to grow? Where do I need to grow? Yeah. Prayer. Um, and as a, as a church, what are we, what are we going to be about that? Maybe we can't be about now, but we can, yeah. you know, grow yeah. towards. 
Yeah. Well, it's just a great, it's a great question. And those are great comments. And, you know, I think all church planners would say, for the most part, they would say, you know, prayer is a part of what we do. You know, we pray in our worship service. We pray yeah. at our men's groups or women's groups. We pray whatever you, you could go on ad nauseum. Yep. But do we have intentional times of focused prayer? And that's the, that's what's difficult to answer. That's that in the intentionality of a season of prayer. Um, and, and, and look, I'm right there with you. It's, it's something that looking back to my first church plant, gosh, I don't know that I thought through that careful enough, carefully enough and built it into the life of the church, even though they, you know, and I can't speak for what they do now, but when I was there, you know, we had prayer, of course, in our worship services and in, in, in most every event, but yep. were we, were we being intentional about the, the discipline of prayer? Yeah. I, I'm just going to plug one resource that I found very stirring. Uh, JC Ryle has a real short you could call it a book. It's called a call to prayer. Uh-huh. Uh, it's public domain. It's available on the internet. You can just Google it. A call to prayer by JC Ryle. Uh, and, and it goes through all those things. Uh, oh, you pray at church, but do you pray? Sure. You pray with other people, but do you pray? You know, it's right. just like, mm-hmm. yeah. it's just very convicting yeah. in the sense that, um, you know, we can do those things and, and it's not that they're invalid or something, but uh, at the heart of prayers is communion with God. And if yeah. that's something we suck at, right? Um, we <laughs> we have to be desirous to uh, yeah. remedy uh, that that bridge because you know God is there; He is our Father; He is uh, available to yeah. us. And right. so often, it's just our yeah. own striving that keeps us mm-hmm. from its presence. Well, and John, one of the things that often gets forgotten in a, a church plant, particularly between the phase of launching and particularization there's so much to do there's everyone all hands are on deck everybody's busy everybody is trying to make sure that this that this ship sells and it sells well and evangelism and outreach is something that's talked about a, a, a good bit because you want your church to grow you want more people to come worship king jesus yep and in the midst of all that and I don't know, you know, I, I don't want to sound alarmist by any stretch of the imaginations, but in the midst of all that, holiness and obedience sometimes gets kicked to the curb. Like, how do we become more holy? How do we follow Christ on a closer level? Uh, be holy like I am holy. And um, I think that that's something the church plants often struggle with, because we're just trying to get this thing up and going. Yeah. No, and it's a it's a doubling down on what we say we believe, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, is it is it is it worth an hour of my day to pray? Yeah, right. You know, think about all the stuff I could do, and I I got all these emails. I got all that, uh, right, yeah. uh, right, and it's kind of that priority thing. Right. Anyway, I didn't mean to get off track too much on the prayer thing. I just, as I think about discipleship and my failings, uh, I think, man, uh, I I have not done well in that. So I want to encourage anybody listening that that is, uh, don't make the same mistake I did. (laughs) 
Well, Hunter, you got some more discipleship ideas. Um, let's say outside of uh, small group ministry, outside of uh, Sunday school, outside of a worship service, what else do you see as being a, a helpful way to disciple a church? Sure, John. I think that, and I'm specifically talking within the um, aspect of being a church planner, you, you're so busy. And you have so much going on and you have so much going on in the life of the church. And, but one of the things that you can do is to develop leaders within the church Mm. as a pastor to step into the lives of men. And again, we're PCA. So we operate in the context of men are our elders and they are our deacons, but to step into their lives and say, let me help you in terms of being a father and a parent and a spouse and a businessman, but, but let me, but more importantly, let me enable you to see Christ more clearly and give me the opportunity to disciple you. And, And the reason I think that is significant because those men in turn can disciple other people within your church and, and, even in the stage where you may not have your own elders and your own deacons yet. And you, you have to be careful, John, because you don't want to, in going to these men and, and pursuing them in terms of discipleship, you want to be careful that you're not handpicking your future elders. Sure. Uh, but you want to recognize those that have the ability to minister well in the context of your church, your church plant, whether they become elders or deacons or not. And then it allows that multiplication effect allows a greater level of discipleship to happen within the life of the church plant. No, that's good. And, and it reminds me of, an, of another thing too. So yeah, it's certainly developing a leadership and, and that can be even just, you know, people who lead music well, or people who you know, serve in a nursery. It doesn't have to be necessarily always elder deacon kind of in mind, but uh, yeah, it reminded me of kind of the the one-on-one discipleship uh, opportunities. That's probably perhaps my favorite uh, aspect is getting lunch with people, grabbing coffee with people, doing kind of one-on-one. Of course we want ultimately not to be the only connection people have to a church. Sure. But to, to do the pastoral follow-up, I I always thought it was a, a, a great, thing to strive for. I've, I've, I don't know that I'll ever do it. Um, I think it's from Baxter's reform pastor that, um, you know, meets with every single person in his church once a year. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't know that that's the greatest, you know, endeavor, but to, to have the sense of you're tracking with people, you're, you're checking in with them. Sure. Uh, you're getting together to see what their needs are, how you can pray for them. Yeah. Um, encourage them, those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, just even that, one-on-one how's you know yeah. how's your marriage how's your how are your kids doing and, and right. everybody is in a different stage of life and and if you're not in every single small group which you shouldn't be right um you're you're probably not tracking with all right. of those details yeah it's hard for the sheep to follow the shepherd if they don't know his voice yeah you know that's my mentor in ministry always said that to me and i think that's a good point definitely yeah well, I think that about wraps it up for our episode today on discipleship. Uh, once again, we have not talked exhaustively about this. If you have other thoughts about discipleship, 
Uh, certainly uh, share some resources in the comments on our posts on Facebook and, and Twitter, wherever you see us. Um, we'd love to kind of be a resource for other people. You know, yeah, if there's be great. really good discipleship ministry you found that you think is great, you know, go ahead and share that and and we can see what, what people like. So, uh, but yeah, with that, I think we're all done. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks to everyone who listened. Glad that you joined us. That's the last word for now. Thanks to Auxilio for sponsoring this episode, and thanks to you for listening. You can reach us with comments or questions on Twitter and Facebook at the number 5 points planting or at our new email address, reformedplanting at gmail.com. See y'all next time. Three, two, one. Five Points Church Planting is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Oh.